Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. How are you doing tonight? Well, don't everybody all answer at once. Anyway, uh, earlier today I alluded to this report that I have that I was uh, I'm going to read to you folks. Um, I think the whole thing would take probably close to an hour to read. I might read the whole thing tonight. I might not. But the first part of it is uh, more interesting than the last. Anyway, actually, that's not true. The last part is pretty interesting as well. Anyway, this is what it is. The government. Oh, I can't even see that. The government of Alberta institutional report presented to the uh, Public Order Emergency Commission in Ottawa regarding the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act. Ah, Carrie, I was going to call you too, and then I forgot. Sorry. So I uh, I did say this was classified, and it is, but it's only classified protected A, which means that it's not a public document. Um, it has the, what's the, the wording? It has the, it could cause personal or institutional damage if the information is used wrong. So it's not public, but it's about to be. This was prepared by, what was the guy's name? Hold on, I got it right here. He was the assistant deputy, uh, oh my goodness, public safety minister or something like that. Marlon DeGrand is his name. Uh, he prepared this on behalf of the RCMP. So let's get right to it. Background. This institutional report sets out and summarizes information and evidence of the government of Alberta in relation to the invocation of the Emergencies Act by the Government of Canada on February 14th, 2022. Between January 29th and February 14th, 2022, Alberta experienced some protests linked to citizens who were frustrated by federal COVID-19 restrictions. Interesting. One of those Canadians was one of the uh, was the last living signatory to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the Honorable Brian Peckford, including most notably a temporary blockade of the Canada-U.S. border in the Alberta village of Coots. Alberta never requested the use of the Emergencies Act in relation to any of those protests and received virtually no consultation from Canada in its decision to invoke the Emergencies Act as applicable to Alberta and the entirety of the country. All of the protests in Alberta were peacefully resolved without any of the powers combined in the orders issued under the Emergencies Act, or pardon, pardon me, powers contained in the orders under the Emergencies Act. In fact, the blockade in Coots was essentially resolved prior to those measures even coming into force. Its resolution was thanks to hard work by many in Alberta, including its provincial police force, its sheriffs, and support from Alberta municipalities. And I would like to add there, uh, and also the hard work of the people who were in leadership positions at that demonstration who wound the demonstration down with no violence. Alberta found and purchased its own towing equipment to have at the ready for operational support after Canada failed to provide any assistance upon Alberta's request to simply borrow equipment from them. An overview of the policing structure in the province of Alberta is important context for reviewing the events described in this report. 
Pursuant to a long-term contract, the Provincial Police Service Agreement, the RCMP acts as Alberta's Provincial Police Force. Acts as Alberta's Provincial Police Force. So we are supposed to have a Provincial Police Force, but we don't. So we contract the RCMP to do it. In addition to providing policing services, the RCMP provide policing to municipalities in the province with populations smaller than 5,000 inhabitants and any other municipality for which there is a specific policing agreement. Seven municipalities and three First Nations have their own municipal or First Nation police forces to provide municipal or local policing services. The province of Alberta also has sheriffs who enforce provincial laws, such as the Traffic Safety Act. The sheriffs are employees of the government of Alberta. The acronyms used in this report are set out in the glossary at the end, which I'm not going to go through. Commonly used acronyms are used in the body of the report without first setting the full name they represent. Section B, Coots Border Blockade, Origin. On or about January 13, 2022, Alberta became aware of social media calls for protests in response to federal vaccination requirements for the trucking industry, such as a national truckers' strike at legislatures across Canada. I remember that. By January 26th, Alberta became aware of calls to establish a convoy destined for the Canada-U.S. border, crossing also uh, called a port of entry, near the village of Coots. Alberta shared this intelligence with the CBSA, which advised that it had engaged the other agencies, including the RCMP, to prepare for such a development. I think I'm allergic to the Emergencies Act. My eyes are watering. Early development. On January 29th, a convoy of approximately 1,000 vehicles proceeded from the city of Lethbridge to the Coots Port of Entry. The RCMP, as police of jurisdiction, reported to Alberta. The convoy formed a line 48 kilometers long. The convoy consisted of approximately a 50-50 split between semi-trailer trucks and personal vehicles. The RCMP was meeting vehicles at highway way scales to act as traffic stop and to convey and gather additional information. The RCMP provided the convoys organizers with a document or with a document with plan objectives and areas of control. For example, emergency vehicle access and commercial livestock traffic. The RCMP will ma maintain contact with the convoys organizers. This is all under Alberta, by the way. Protesters halted traffic in both directions at the Coots Port of Entry, leading to a closure of Alberta Provincial Highway No. 4 in that area and, subsequently, in an area further north near the town of Milk River, collectively Coots Border Blockade. On January 31st, as the RCMP prepared for tow enforcement action to end this Coots Border Blockade, a number of vehicles voluntarily left the area and some protesters expressed a desire to permit reopening of Highway 4. The RCMP attempted to negotiate with remaining protesters but could not reach a resolution and traffic remained immobile. On February 1st, as the Coots border blockade continued, the RCMP explored obtaining equipment to tow vehicles from private companies. The, the CAF or American officials Alberta's eventually successful efforts to secure towing equipment as described 
or is described in more detail in section C below, supported by Alberta's Sheriff Highway Patrol. The RCMP ensured that other Canada-US port of entries in the province remained open. On February 2nd, one lane of traffic in each direction was open at the Coots port, port of entry with 101 vehicles remaining and a further stoppage subsisted near the town of Milk River. The RCMP prepared bi-directional escorts for traffic between a police checkpoint and the Coots port of entry. At the time, the RCMP expected the Coots port of entry to reopen later that day. Uh, subsection three, increased deployment. From February 3rd through 7th, local and border bound traffic passed through the Coots border blockade, albeit slowly and with interruptions. In particular, the RCMP secured the progress of trucks carrying livestock across the border. A contingency plan was in place with respect to alternate port of entries in case protesters resumed a complete blockade at the Coots port of entry. For example, according to a report on February 7th, traffic was flowing at an increased rate to an approximate one minute wait time at a police checkpoint. The CBSA reported traffic volume through the border at approximately 50% of normal levels. On February 3rd, Deputy Commissioner Curtis Zablocki, the commanding officer of K Division, uh, who, by the way, took the job of the person who wrote this report, sent a letter to Alberta's Acting Minister of Justice and Solicitor General, Sonia Savage. In it, he requested extraordinary application of emergency provisions under Article 9.1 of the PPSA and the existing municipal police service agreements. That would allow for redeployment of members of the provincial police force to deal with the Coots border blockade and anticipated additional protests, which constitute an emergency in the province of Alberta, in the opinion of Deputy Commissioner Zablocki. I hope I'm saying that right. The same day, Minister Savage wrote back to the commissioner. Pursuant to Article 9.1 of the Alberta PPSA, the Provincial Police Service Agreement, I authorize the redeployment of the Alberta Provincial Police Service to the extent necessary to maintain law and order and to ensure the safety of persons and property in the affected communities. Now, property would, I'm assuming, uh, also include track hoes that were vandalized by the RCMP. I also recognize that it may become necessary to invoke sub-article 9.2 and to seek an additional resources by drawing RCMP personnel and or equipment from elsewhere within the province of Alberta and or from neighboring provinces and territories. It would be appreciated if you would notify me if such action is taken. The RCMP informed Alberta that it intended to seek up to 40 RCMP regular members from British Columbia to assist at Coots, commencing duties on or about February 7th. Those officers were released back to British Columbia by the end of the weekend of February 12th, 13th. In addition, sheriffs and members of other police forces in Alberta were deployed to assist at Coots over the course of the Coots border blockade. On February 8th, Alberta announced a plan for gradual easing of pandemic-related public health orders. Later that day, protesters resumed a complete blockade at the Coots port of entry though the RCMP engaged in efforts to reestablish flow of traffic. Alberta made an alternate protest site available, away from any highways, though protesters did not immediately accept this option. 
the SHP maintained checkpoints at the Sheriff's Highway Patrol maintained checkpoints at other port of entries in the province to prevent new blockades. For example, according to a report on February 11, Highway 4 was completely blocked at the Coots port of entry. Police were stopping traffic at checkpoints to prevent vehicles from surging to Coots. The RCMP remained engaged with the convoy's identified leadership group to keep the situation stabilized. Given the situation at Coots, the port of entry at Del Bonita had seen a 917% increase in cross-border traffic. The RCMP and the Sheriff Highway Patrol undertook enforcement actions in response, including issuing 75 registered owner traffic violation tickets, unregistered vehicle, parking on highway, plate covered, unnecessarily unnecessary use of horns. They issued eight traffic violation tickets, including cargo securement, failure to obey stop sign, speeding, unauthorized flashing lamp, emergency breakaway cable not connected, all very dangerous. They conducted one arrest for outstanding warrants. On Friday, February 11th, the RCMP requested that five additional sheriffs be dispatched by Alberta to assist them at one of these alternate POEs, Del Bonita. Alberta provided that assistance. In addition to the RCMP members that dispatched from British Columbia under the PPSA, the RCMP advised that they were supported in coots by officers from the Calgary Police Force, Edmonton Police Service, Lethbridge Police Service, and approximately 70 federal RCMP officers from Alberta. That's almost as many cops as they had at the Whistle Stop Cafe when we were serving hamburgers, pouring coffee, and having a protest. Subsection 4, Final Days. The RCMP learned of a small group of protesters with access to a cache of firearms and ammunition. I think most people in southern Alberta have access to a cache of firearms and ammunition, but what do I know? Intelligence indicated that this group would use force against any attempts by police to disrupt the Coots border blockade. Now, it is interesting to mention that the intelligence also includes the intelligence provided by the federal government that described Diagalon as a uh, dangerous insurrectionist group. You know, the, the group that was led by a talking, uh, drug-abusing, demonic goat. Yeah, that, that organization. Before dawn, on February 14th, the RCMP executed a search warrant at three trailers associated with this group, leading to arrest of 13 individuals and seizures of weapons, body armor, and ammunition. The RCMP later announced criminal charges against the individuals. The law enforcement action catalyzed the end of the Coots border blockade. RCMP and the Sheriff Highway Patrol reported as of 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on February 14th. Once the arrest of the 13 individuals became known and the cache of weapons was announced, the tide of opinion among many of the blockade participants changed as the gravity of what was going on behind the scenes, uh, as of what the gravity uh, was going on behind the scenes. Numerous participants indicated that they would be leaving and began negotiations with the RCMP to mitigate their legal standings. By 1,600 hours, there was a video feed of participants starting to tear down tents and start to leave the area. 
The invocation of the Emergencies Act was announced on the afternoon of February 14th, well after the RCMP successfully completed the seizure and arrests described above. That is a very important uh, line. I'm going to read it again. The invocation of the Emergencies Act was announced on the afternoon of February 14th, well after the RCMP successfully completed the seizure and arrest described above. By the morning of February 15th, Highway 4 was clear in both directions, and the CBSA announced resumption of normal processing at the Coots Port of Entry. Further law enforcement action was unnecessary in light of these developments. The measures proclaimed under the Emergencies Act were not registered or enforced until February 15th. None of the measures were used in breaking up the Coots border blockade. Now, I will mention that in the Public Order Emergency Commission, uh, Justice Rollo or Rolio, whatever his name was, actually said that the Coots demonstration was the justification for Trudeau invoking the Emergencies Act. Now, our government was communicating with the federal government, and they knew that Coots was dismantled, traffic was back to normal, and it was under control before they announced the emergency measures. Oops. No, that's right. Requests for assistance and equipment purchase. Early in the course of the Coots border blockade, efforts began to source heavy towing equipment and operators to have those resources at the ready in case the RCMP needed them for enforcement action. A morning update from the RCMP on Tuesday, February 1st, advised Marlon DeGran, ADM, Assistant Deputy Minister, Public Security Division, ah, that's what it was, Public Security Division and Director of Law Enforcement, that protesters were not agreeing to comply with RCMP requests to clear the highway. <coughs> with more than 100 transport trucks involved. Civilian tow companies expressed reluctance to assist the RCMP. Uh, cue the, cue the uh, applause. By the end of February 1st, approximately 50 companies throughout Alberta with towing capability and or cranes have been contacted. All of the companies with the ability to tow semi-trailer trucks refused to assist. Companies in British Columbia and Saskatchewan were also contracted but they were either unable or contacted, pardon me, but they were either unable to travel or did not want to get involved in the situation. Alberta was advised by the RCMP that, uh, that by February 1st, they had reached out to Public Safety Canada and the CAF in Ottawa and that there was reluctance to become involved. CFB Edmonton is located a few kilometers north of the limits of the city of Edmonton. And that was being explored as possible resource to loan heavy equipment and personnel to assist in operating the equipment. Our friend, Premier Jason Kenney, called Federal Minister of Public Safety, Marco Mendocino, to advise him that Alberta would soon make a request to borrow CAF equipment that could be used for towing as private sector vendors had been intimidated and the RCMP had been unable to obtain such equipment. While Premier Kenny does not recall the exact date, the public safety report on consultation reports a call between Minister Mendocino and him on February 2nd, and that timing is consistent with his recollection of the call. 
Premier Kenny's recollection is that he and Minister Mendocino had a brief and general discussion about that, during which Minister Mendocino arrived, or pardon me, advised that a letter for such assistance should go to him and Minister of Emergency Preparedness, William Blair. And they would jointly take it to the Department of National Defense for consideration. On Saturday, February 5th, Minister of Municipal Affairs, Rick McIver, sent a letter by email to Minister Mendocino and Minister Blair. The letter read, in part, the RCMP, along with local and provincial officials, have been working closely in an attempt to persuade the demonstration participants to remove their vehicles, but have been unsuccessful. In addition, as a result of private industry concerns over negative consequences, the RCMP have been unable to secure the appropriate heavy-duty equipment required to move vehicles and other items, such as trailers and tractors from the area. Attempts to procure these services with providers from across the Western provinces and the United States have failed. In order to ensure a return of free movement of people, vehicles, and goods and services through this pivotal location, we are seeking federal assistance in removing obstructions from the highway. To support this approach, I am requesting federal assistance that includes the provision of equipment and personnel to move approximately 70 semi-tractor trailers and approximately 75 personal and recreational vehicles from the area. I and my colleague, the Minister of Justice and Solicitor General, or our respective staff members are available to discuss these requirements, but are hopeful that Alberta's request will be received favorably and responded to promptly. That was February 5th. The following Monday, February 7, at approximately 9.30 Mountain Standard Time, Minister McIver texted Minister Blair to follow up and ask whether Minister Blair was available for a phone call. Minister Blair responded, I will call you. I am on a secure briefing. Minister McIver responded, okay, good, thank you. Also on February 7, Alberta began its own search to determine if any towing assistance could be found. Alberta compiled a list of sheriffs who have class one driver's licenses and contacted oh, companies previously contacted by the RCMP to see if they could be persuaded to assist. Alberta also made contact with companies in Montana, but none would commit to assist. Minister McIver phoned Minister Blair at 2.05 Mountain Standard Time on February 7th. The call lasted four minutes. Minister McIver recalls that Minister Blair mentioned that the equipment at CFB Edmonton might not be loaned because it was specifically for use for military vehicles or something to that effect. On the morning of February 8, Minister Blair sent a text to Minister McIver. Good morning, Rick. Sorry for the delay in getting back to you. I spoke to our Minister of Defence and conveyed the importance and urgency of an answer from CAF. She is speaking to the Chief of Defence Staff this morning. We'll advise. Bill. Minister McIver responded to say thank you. The possibility of Alberta buying or leasing its own equipment raise, was raised on February 8th. Alberta put together a plan to contract or contact energy companies, industry contacts, road builders, and municipalities, government counterparts oh, in British Columbia and Saskatchewan, and explore purchase or lease options by Alberta. On February 9, Alberta worked quickly to follow up on various leads. 
Alberta was unable to locate any additional services willing to assist, but did locate one flatbed that could be borrowed and a lead on some additional equipment that might be available to borrow. The city of Calgary provided a list of equipment they had available, as did the city of Edmonton, uh, which provided a tow truck for the use of the RCMP. However, the RCMP determined that it would not use the Edmonton tow truck at that time, as their view was that it may inflame things further, and one tow truck was of limited utility. Premier Kenny spoke again with Minister Mendocino to follow up on Alberta's request to borrow CAF equipment, since Alberta had not received a response. February 8th, 9th. While Premier Kenny does not recall the exact date, the public safety report on consultation reports a call between Minister Mendocino and him on February 9th. And that timing is consistent with his recollection of the call. Premier Kenny pointed out that the Coots border blockade was at an international border crossing that implicated a federal interest. He also pointed out that he had served as Minister of National Defense. One of his deputy ministers served as Vice Chief of the Defense Staff. Many of his senior staff had previously held positions with the CAF. And the consensus was that the CAF had equipment available at CFB Edmonton that would be suitable. Premier Kenny's recollection is that he told Minister, Minister Mendocino that Alberta could locate operators. The primary need was to borrow equipment. Premier Kenny does not recall Minister Mendocino providing a response on that call. On the evening of February 10, Minister McIver texted Minister Blair to ask any update. The text chain shows no response to that text. Alberta further explored the possibility of purchasing equipment. By February 11, Alberta identified a number of vehicles that could satisfy RCMP requirements. These were found by conducting online searches of websites like Kijiji and Truck Trader. Alberta worked on an accelerated safety inspection process. Alberta purchased towing equipment on February 12, which was taken to a secure lot in Lethbridge for staging. Operators within Alberta's own staff could not be identified, but four other operators were retained on contract. Further purchases were made on or about February 14, in addition to the heavy wrecker and crew that was borrowed from the city of Edmonton. Alberta purchased the following equipment to meet the RCMP's operational needs. Freightliner M2 flatbed, $73,000. Dodge Ram 3500 tow truck, $27,000. International 4300 medium tow truck, $38,000. GMC 3500 tow truck, 26,500. Freightliner Classic Heavy Tow Truck, 85,000. International Pro Star Semi Tractor, 36,500. Komatsu D61 Dozer with winch, 109,500. Case 62, uh, 621B Wheel Loader, 67,000. Arns Triaxle Scissor Neck Low Boy, 62,500. Jerry's 60-ton, 16-wheel low-boy trailer, 89500 Western Star Semi, 119000 Peterbilt, 30, Peterbilt 37, or 378 dollars for a total of $826,000. The RCMP ultimately did not require all of this equipment in its operation that disbanded the Coots border blockade, although it did make limited use of it in seizing large vehicles in the course of that operation, including a farm tractor, semi-trailer, and gravel truck. I wonder if they lent any of that to uh, load those track hose that they sabotaged on them to get them to the repair shop. 
In his February 15 letter to Premier Kenny, after the invocation of the Emergencies Act, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau pledged, the federal government continues to stand by to assist with resource asks if and when required to deal with the current situation. Did you catch that? I've been describing over a week period of time where Alberta was asking the federal government for assistance with equipment to deal with the Coots blockade and they were ghosted. And then once Trudeau got his emergencies act that he wanted the whole time, now all of a sudden, oh, we'll help you out, whatever you need, just ask. However, as of February 15th, Alberta still had still not received a formal response to its request for assistance sent to Ministers Mendocino and Blair on February 5th. That's 10 days. This is gold. Get ready for this. Popcorn? Have a sip of mead. On Monday, February 21st, there was a text exchange between Minister McIver and Minister Blair. McIver, still no answer. Blair, you may be aware that we have invoked the Emergencies Act on February 15th, which addressed the tow truck issue quite effectively. Happy to answer any questions you may have, although I'm sure RCMP can advise you on how it works. A letter will be forthcoming. I understand the Prime Minister spoke to Premier Kenny about the Emergency Act, but I will ensure correspondence follows to you. McIver, we received no help until after the Coots issue was resolved, and you know this. Disappointed to hear you say otherwise. Blair, and I was disappointed to learn of your reaction to our efforts to respond to the threat to critical infrastructure and the integrity of our international borders posed by these illegal blockades. Fortunately, the CACP, the OACP, the RCMP, and the Ontario Provincial Police have been clear and unequivocal that these measures have been essential in their efforts to resolve the criminal blockades and occupations. We are all grateful that the RCMP was able to resolve the very dangerous situation at Coote safely. McIver. What is true is that Coots was resolved on the 14th and we got our own tow trucks after you could not help. Blair, your letter speaks for itself. McIver, as does your lack of response until too late. Blair, to be clear, is your point that we should have invoked the emergency act earlier? McIver, no, you were too late and did the wrong thing. My point is saying nothing now would have been better than not telling the truth. There was no further correspondence between Minister Mendocino and Minister Blair. The Emergencies Act is to be used when there is no other way to resolve a situation. And it threatens the security of the nation. This report highlights a period of of 10, 11, 12 days that the federal government refused to help the government of Alberta with equipment so that they could deal with the blockade. 
Why is that? Do you folks realize that Justin Trudeau was talking to the premiers and asking about Im invoking the Emergencies Act before we even arrived in Ottawa? Don't you think it's strange that the federal government, the Liberal and NDP coalition government, would not give any assistance to Alberta to deal with this situation? And instead, they brought out the biggest tool in the toolbox so they could do it themselves. Minister McIver pointed it out very nicely. And Minister Blair exposed himself and his government as never having been interested in resolving the situation. But instead, they wanted to take power for themselves that even now the Supreme Court has ruled they never had the right to do. I'm just going to read to the end of this section, then maybe we'll do the rest tomorrow. P.S. I'm not suicidal. Totally happy. Love my life. Want to live. So there you have it. On March 23rd, 2022, Minister McIver sent a follow-up letter by email to Minister Blair. The body of the letter reads, On February 5th, 2022, based on advice from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Leadership in Alberta, I sent you a request for assistance for federal support to address the impacts of the blockades in our province. I have yet to receive a response to our request for the necessary equipment and personnel to displace the blockades. As such, we took the initiative to procure our own resources. In consultation with our key federal and provincial partners and in recognition, recognition that circumstances have changed, the requested federal support is no longer required. Therefore, I hereby rescind Alberta's request for federal assistance. That's the end of that section. That brings up an inter interesting point. Alberta doesn't need to ask the federal government for help for anything. All Alberta has to do is stand up for herself and tell the federal government that we're sick of being stepped on and do it ourselves. We do it very well. No, I don't agree with what happened in Coots at all, but... That's what the government chose to do, and the government did it. They didn't need the federal government. And the, not only that, but the federal government wasn't even interested in helping Alberta accomplish a goal that the federal government wanted to accomplish. They had to do it themselves, and that's how this relationship with the federal government has been since 1905. Nothing has changed in 119 years. And here we are. Anyhow, that was the first couple sections of the Government of Alberta Institutional Report submitted to the Public Order Emergency Commission on August 19, 2022. The reason I'm reading you this is because I want people to understand what actually happened here. I want people to understand that our Liberal government wanted this power that the Emergencies Act affords them so badly that they were willing to ignore Alberta's request to deal with the blockades and instead, they used that blockade as justification to take those powers. So when the police seized your bank account, or pardon me, when the government seized your bank account, they used the Coots demonstration as justification, even though it was already disbanded. 
when the government shot you with a tear gas canister, they used the Coots demonstration as justification to do that. When they pulled that, um, when they pulled that man out of his truck and beat the shit out of him on the ground, need him while he was on the ground getting cuffed, they used the Coots blockade that was already disbanded as justification to do that. When the cops showed up at motorhomes and smashed out the windows and dragged the uh, occupants out through the window, uh, the justification for that was the Coots blockade, which was already disbanded. This is important stuff. No matter which side of the conversation you're on, no matter if you are a freedom-loving individual who has tremendous respect and love for the truckers who stood up for us, or you're an anti-freedom, disgusting human being, and you want everyone to live under tyranny, you should at least be aware that your government did this. You should at least be aware that our democracy failed. And the only way we're going to fix this is if we get this kind of thing into court and we make them pay, which we will. Have a great night, everybody. Talk to you soon.